Hello everyone, my name is Derek Rosma and I'm the education coordinator of Machiavelli. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast called the Teacher Talk. Uh, this will be the pilot episode to maybe a series of episodes. Uh, this Teacher Talk is an attempt to reconnect students with teachers, like in the old days where you could just walk up to a lecturer. Um, hopefully this talk, this talk will also humanize teachers in general and our next guest specifically. Uh, we're here with uh, the man, the myth, uh, the Schlieser. Erik Schlieser. <laughs> Erik Schlieser is, uh, as most of you know, a professor. Uh, he teaches the renowned course uh, in history of political thought. Uh, Erik Schlieser is one of the persons that has expanded my English vocabulary uh, the most since my time on university. Uh, specifically, the word uh, esoteric comes to my mind when I think of uh, Schlieser. And that's also how I would uh, describe him for now. I looked up the meaning of esoteric uh, for those who have not yet had class from Schlieser. Uh, esoteric means intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest. That's what I, I mostly remember from your lecture. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the word Plato as well. Um, oh, okay. The name. Okay. Yeah. That I, that I, I got it. <laughs> Um, I always thoroughly enjoy his lectures and I uh, really like his teaching style, um, but avoiding to be too much of a suck up, uh, we will just give the word to Mr. Steeser himself. First of all, Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. We uh, In London, we've just gone into lockdown. Uh, I live here with my family, um, so we're readjusting to that. But uh, given all the circumstances and the busy week with uh, the election and all that, uh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, how about yourself? I'm also doing good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, uh, elections, uh, staying up uh, all night has taken a toll on my, uh, on, my on my health. But uh, it's 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 great. It's a very exciting time. Uh, so it's, yeah, uh, it's a good time to be a political scientist. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, okay, Eric, um, could you maybe t tell something about yourself? Who are you? Where are you from? Are you German? Uh, no, I'm I'm actually from Amsterdam. I I grew up in uh, Bad Feldert. Uh, I'm sure some of your uh, friends might know where that is in Amsterdam. Um, um, my dad, however, is from Germany. He was a refugee at, uh, at the end of uh, the 1930s, um, but his family stayed in Holland uh, after World War II. And, um, and so I grew up in Holland and feeling Dutch. Um, but, as, um, uh, but I didn't stay in Holland for my studies. I went to America. And so I did both my bachelor and my PhD in the United States. And so I was away from Holland um, 17 years. I mean, I came back to visit my family and uh, friends. Uh, and sometimes I had some gigs in, in Holland. But um, in, uh, in about 2007, I got the opportunity to come back to Leiden um, and uh, to work. And since then, I've, I've lived in Holland uh, for most of that period. But I've also worked in Belgium, in Ghent, uh, in between. And now my family lives in London and I, uh, without COVID, I would be commuting between Amsterdam and London. So my life is a bit, uh, uh, bit complicated. It never seems to be in one place all the time, but um, I never had studied at the University of Amsterdam. And when I arrived here about five years ago, uh, it was for me all very new and uh, very challenging. So the first few years, I felt like I could really relate to the first year students because in many ways, I was just as mystified as they were about how things work. And I think the other important thing um, about my relationship to the department and the curriculum is I was, um, 
I was an undergrad political scientist, actually an IR student uh, as a bachelor mm -hmm. student. But um, now I sound like an old man, but when I was a student, the Berlin Wall fell. And I felt that my political science professors and IR professors really had not quite predicted that and had really not quite, uh, the world had caught up with them. And I thought that was very strange because I thought the scientists would know first. And so I got interested in what, yeah, what now would be called philosophy of science, but I thought of at the time as how does science work? As I got more and more interested in philosophy and I took courses on the history of science. And so I ended up majoring in uh, philosophy and in political science. Mm -hmm. um, and then my academic career after that was mostly philosophy. And so uh, coming to Amsterdam and accepting this position as professor of political theory, was also a return to political science. So for me, um, uh, you know, and I never expected that anymore. So now I can tell a good story about the Berlin Wall and political science. But <laughs> if you'd asked me seven, eight years ago, I you know, would have been a kind of sideline interest. So that's, yeah. Okay, that's, that's quite, the, quite the history you have, I guess. Um, I already talked about uh, me describing you as esoteric. Um, that might not be too fair, so I, I want to give the word to yourself. Um, how would you describe yourself in three words? Well, I think esoteric is interesting. I didn't realize I used the word so much in lecture. <laughs> and so I'm definitely going to look at my slides uh, for next year. Oh, no, please um, don't. It was, it was fine. No, it's, it's okay. It's interesting that uh, I, I, don't mind, um, I don't mind the esotericism. I think um, uh, we all have... Uh, hidden layers and complicated layers. I think that's what makes people interesting. But yeah, free free words, um, inquisitive. I don't think you can have my job um, if you're uh, if you aren't inquisitive. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, a real nerd in many ways. Um, but also, you have to be a little bit optimistic about the future because otherwise, you wouldn't hang out with young people. Um, but I'm also very skeptical, so I don't think. You know, I, I'm very, I, I don't believe in, in big truths. And so the optimism and skepticism uh, kind of balance each other. And But I, mm -hmm. I always get excited because of the inquisitiveness, because I learn new things nearly every day. Yeah. The duality of man. Yeah. Uh, skepticism and opticism. Op opticism. Yeah. yeah. I hope okay. you don't mind if I correct you and say mankind. I don't mean to be too politically correct, but I think all genders are included. <laughs> no, it is political science. We are, we are trained to be politically correct, I guess. Uh, I hope uh, that's not on tape, uh, because before we know it, we get the parliament asking questions about yeah. uh, whether we indoctrinate you. So um... No, I, I think a lot of uh, students uh, are happy with, uh, with you correcting me. So thank you for that. Good, good, good. Um, so I was wondering, uh, you, you, I remember from your, from your lectures that you briefly mentioned uh, studying the course materials with your friends while uh, accompanied by, uh, by some beers. Uh, I was wondering, could you maybe shed some light on what kind of person you were when you were a student? Did you party a lot? Was it all studying? Was it? Well, I, um, I, um, I wasn't an especially good student, and uh, I uh, both in high school. And in uh, and in university, I uh, I if I if a teacher inspired me or if a teacher interested me and found a way to make me connect with the work, I could do really great work. That so uh, that I became an academic wasn't entirely strange, 
But on the other hand, I, I got a lot of uh, bad grades, both in high school and in university. Um, and, um, and I was easily distracted by things outside of university. So such as uh, I, I did sports. I was involved, particularly at, in university. I was very involved in university politics and national politics. Um, I, um, uh, we had a lot of parties. I was involved in international, um, international club, and that was basically an excuse to party a lot. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, um, I like traveling. Um, uh, I thought America was really an amazing place to be a student because you could travel for days and still be in America. And it would be very different. I studied in Boston, which was a great city, um, mm -hmm. also to explore the arts. I, I got very interested in different kinds of arts there. Um, I don't think I was, a, you know, with their, their students that spend a lot of time drinking in university or, or, or being high all the time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was my, that wasn't, that wasn't my style. Um, but um, I definitely liked hanging out and, you know, uh, exploring things and talking and uh, romance. Uh, um, but yeah, I thought for me, university was as much about the camaraderie as about what I learned. Um, but I will say um, in my junior year, so my third year, which in America is three out of four, I did have a bunch of very charismatic professors who got me to see that studying could be uh, really something uh, life expanding and, and fantastic. And that really yeah, inspired me. So um, uh, there were periods in university where I really did study, but it was very uneven. Okay, I think this is very encouraging to, to many students. Uh, many of my friends as well were, were struggling to, to, to keep it above the six, uh, six uh, average. Uh, so even you can become an, uh, become an, uh, a professor. Uh, thank you for the insights. Uh, it was a really cheesy quote on my, on my French school, uh, French class, uh, which said, education is not for the income, but for the outcome. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. And it's also what makes it, uh, gratifying because you know, I've now been an educator for about 20 years, maybe even longer, depending on when you start counting. And you see the effects of what you've done in the most surprising ways. So there's, you know, there's the papers you write and, uh, mm -hmm. and exam questions. And in a way, that's the boring output. But there's the feedback that you can get years later uh, on the street or an email or uh, on Facebook, or sometimes I read interviews with people um, who then will mention in passing some of their professors and teachers, and sometimes, and you're really like, yeah, um, they they may not remember your name, and sometimes I don't even remember what you've said, but in a weird way, you could have changed their lives and hopefully yeah. for the better. So yeah. that's that's extremely gratifying, um, and yeah, makes it makes it cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. My, yeah, my wife's an eye doctor, and so she literally makes people see, you know, many times a week. And that's, you know, just awe-inspiring and, uh, you know, mind-blowing mind that that can happen. But I think what I do is fun too. And Well, I, I guess as a, as a, f a professor in philosophy, you're also uh, some way eye-opening, right? Making well, that's the plan. See, that's right? the plan. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the platonic plan. You're right. <laughs> the platonic plan. There it is. <laughs> okay. 
uh, a question that was asked by the student uh, and that I'm also really curious about uh, because I love music. Uh, what is your favorite song or artist? Yeah, I, I, I've been, when I saw that uh, question, I was like, well, what's really the case? And when I was, uh, when I was a student, I was, uh, I was, I had, metal? Oh, oh, hold on. Somebody's at my door. Let's, uh, let's stop yeah. for a second. So what was my favorite? Um, so my, I, I don't know if I have a favorite song now, but when I was a student, I, I loved uh, this band called Meatloaf. And I remember that my, uh, my housemates and my roommates hated it. What, what kind of music is this? Meatloaf was like 1980s rock and roll. Okay. Um, yeah, look at Google. It. Um, I, uh, it's nothing special. But recently, I found my old tape, which, uh, which I still had. And I listened to it again, and it was really nostalgic happiness. Mm -hmm. So um, there you go. Okay, okay. Well, everybody, uh, look up Meatloaf if you want to experience how... Uh, <laughs> how what what student like life in the early 90s was like. Yeah, and yeah and exactly. I, still, I surprised myself. I still liked it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, a, more, a, qual a smaller question. What are your hobbies and interests? Okay, so I am um, apart from I, I, philosophy. I, I love uh, I love hiking, and, uh, and and one of the reasons I like uh, that my my family moved to England is that hiking in England is really uh, spectacular. So you go out of you take the the tube or the subway out of uh, out of London, uh, and within thirty minutes you're in nature and you can make just amazing hikes. Uh, so that's a big part of my life. Um, I read a lot, uh, both uh, work but also novels. Uh, mm -hmm. I love uh, I love movies uh, quite a bit, um, and um, uh, my wife's an uh, opera and uh, baroque music fan, and uh, I, I certainly have a soft spot for both. So we 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 go a lot out, and uh, for the lockdown, that's been a bit difficult. Um, um, but those are my main ho main hobbies. And before lockdown. Uh, I like traveling as well and just exploring yeah. the world. Um, it's funny that you say uh, opera and baroque music. I don't think there's anything more typical for a professor to to like than uh, than opera. I, I, um, I think it's amusing, but I I believe it. Yes, but a lot of professors also like wine and um, and know a lot about it. Uh, and I'm I'm a kind of an amateur there, but the opera for sure. Yeah, more more of a beer guy. Uh, champagne, I would say. Champagne, okay, okay. Yeah, and whiskey. <laughs> I, I like whiskey a lot. Maybe uh, now, now more uh, more acute question, Eric. What, what makes you happy? Well, this is cheesy. When my son is flourishing, that's the best. I mean, oh. yeah, it's that's that's um, and um, other than that, um, you know, there's this kind of strange zone when. Um, and this can happen both in a classroom or in my research when suddenly intellectually and cognitively things are clicking and you understand something or you see students understanding something, yeah. then, you know, it's a, it's just, it's a strange high, but it's a real high. You know, a lot of students often say things like, oh, um, the student, the teacher likes me or doesn't like me or they're worried that we might not like them. But in reality, if you're teaching, that's not what you're busy with, you know, popularity. What you really want to see is what's happening with the brains. 
-hmm. And when you see recognition of something important, or if you learn something together, this certainly happens in the elective courses. I mean, more than in the lecture course, when you're trying to figure stuff out together. Um, and then you can come in places that are really unexpected, but where you see shared, shared understanding. And that's also super, super exciting. I mean, I, yeah. and it makes my job, I think, really so great. Sort of a higher form of happiness than just... Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's also um, cheesy, but... Um, um, well, there have been more cheesy things. I think that's, that's a good one. I, I can appreciate it. Staying in the theme of, um, of, of esotericness or esotericism. Yes, I think so. How, how familiar are you with memes? Yeah, so um, my son uh, occasionally mentions and shows me some memes, but I wouldn't consider myself an expert. And I think part of, and I also think part of the joke between him and me is that I now play the, which in a way is true, the old fashioned, idiotic, out of touch father who doesn't understand anything. And um, and so I've decided not to keep up with memes <laughs> against my my natural curiosity. Do you think you would understand um, one if I showed you? Um, probably 50-50 chats. Okay, uh, I just want to I want to check it out because over the years, uh, well, over the years, last year I, I've seen some memes passed by um, uh, related to you. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, first of all, I need to say um, it's an honor to be mentioned in memes. Um, I've always wanted to be mentioned in memes, so I think you can be proud of that. Uh, I want to share some with you and, and maybe uh, see what you think of it. I, I'd, I'd seen memes about uh, Professor, uh, what's his name, Imrat Verhoeven. So I'm curious now. <laughs> yeah, he is also nice memes as well, yeah. yeah. Darshan as well, yeah, okay. Yeah, Darshan as uh, well, yeah. First one. Um, Yes, yeah, so for everybody <laughs> who can't see this, oh, that's a this good is, one. Um, <laughs> I'll show them in the in the in the in the description uh, of this podcast. Okay. Um, Ouch! Explaining... What a good one. Yeah, explaining memes is not always very uh, easy. I've noticed that. Uh, but no, but I, I think I got that one. <laughs> okay, then the next one. <laughs> uh, this is a more cute, wholesome one. Uh, we also have wholesome. less wholesome ones. Uh oh. Oh no, it is Ogna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember ah. this moment. <laughs> okay, this is a flex tape meme where uh, where the flex tape guy slaps some piece of of of, uh, of tape on a leaking top uh, with which says 300 students and Eric responding with a classic "C'est la vie." Yeah. I remember me um, sending you uh, a mail. I think yeah. the longest mail I've ever sent to a teacher. Yeah, I remember all the reasons mail. why I thought I, I I should I should deserve more time. Um, try to be respectful, of course. And then I got uh, the iconic response of C'est la vie. Uh, I could appreciate it. I'm not sure if everybody did. Well, no, memes, not so. everybody. No, <laughs> I, I, uh, there, there were some um, some questions were asked about my response to that one. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. So uh, I could appreciate it. And we also have, have um, a, uh, a sticker for WhatsApp that you can use uh, as a response. Let's see. Uh, right. So yeah, that's a classic <laughs> response. Yeah. I will send them to you if you want to use them. No, yourself. I think I think I might use that one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this one I the... can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. The this is so what Plato means with this. Okay. Uh, yes. Cute. <laughs> That's also Eric Schlieser uh, classes. Yes. 
Okay, those were the memes that uh, I dare to show you. Um, <laughs> I'll post the ones in the description. Great. I, I'm, I'm glad that you can laugh about them. Uh, yeah. So that's great. Okay. Yeah, the Sela V1, I, I've been a bit ambivalent about that email, but uh, I'm glad that not everybody hated it. No, no, I could appreciate it. Very edgy. Um, okay, moving on. Um, who, who is your favorite thinker? Yeah, um, you you wrote me. You said, "Oh, you're probably going to say Adam Smith," and yeah. that's not that that's that's not true. I wrote a book about him, and I'm mm. um, you have you have to be interested in somebody to do that. Sure. But I don't always write about things that I agree with. I I am um, um, I, I find that uh, you already mentioned Plato. I, I think Plato is really um, is really a, a boring and safe answer, and in some ways uh, uh, not politically correct anymore because he's really problematic. But I do find that you know I teach him every year, and every year I find new stuffs in in him. So I, okay. I really love that. But as as I hope my students have noticed, I think Master Mo is spectacular. Yeah, um, yep, so yep, I yep. love I love I, I just love. Whenever I'm reading Master Mo, I'm like, wow, this is just uh, uh, um, excellent. And the other person who really, I hope that's clear too, and when I teach her, Olympe de Gouges, I think is just oh, yeah, spectacularly yeah. fascinating. So, yeah. but I have to say, when, when I do the, the first year course, there's almost nobody that I think is boring in that class. So I, I just, uh, I love, uh, I don't want to say I love them all equally, but I think with Plato, what's interesting about him is you can never be 100% sure um, because of the dialogue format. And also yeah. there's this layer of irony. You can't always be 100% sure that you really know where he stands. And I think to pull that off, I think is just amazing and really cool and interesting. No, I also I also agreed with some of your uh, favorite uh favorite thinkers the the grushi i'm not sure if i pronounced it right uh a bit less but plato and and, and mozi or mozi i guess uh are actually very very nice and i really like that it's such an other perspective uh also reading the text it, it kind of read like a like a fairy tale moving on to a more uh well yeah oh yeah well first of all i, I want to ask if you could add one segment in your lectures uh, that has to be unrelated to uh, political science or political thought or any form of philosophy, what would it go be? For example, half of a lecture that you can talk about anything you want to, which has to be unrelated to political science. So if you, for example, uh, you want to talk about meat love your entire uh, lecture, that's a possibility. What, what would it be? It's actually a very difficult question. I've never thought of it like that. There might be an age difference, but you might remember the Star Wars movie series. Oh, for sure, yeah. And um, and I actually think that episode two is a really good episode. Wait, are we talking about episode two chrono chronologically or the the uh, how do you say it? Uh, so, so not Empire Strikes Back, yeah. which of course is a great movie, mm -hmm. but no, episode two was Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which really, for many years, um, um, got me into a lot of trouble. And um, but I've actually blogged about why it's a good episode. And probably, <laughs> if 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 I'd been, I probably would have uh, abused my authority and 
at the if I've been teaching this lecture course, I would have found a way to do that in my lecture course. <laughs> but it's yeah. not entirely fair because, in a way, it's also about political philosophy. I now realize. Yeah. I think this yeah. integration of the of the republic uh, is actually extremely well done in that movie. Yeah, yeah. That's also what I liked about it. I I know that's an unpopular opinion to like the the first three chapters, but I actually liked it because of the political part and the yeah political thought part. Okay, that's clear. Um, we had there was also a question. I think a lot of students have a question about this. Um, they were wondering why you wear glasses, sunglasses, uh, in in inside. It's your that's one aspect of what makes you a myth. Yeah, and I do it for that reason. So it's <laughs> it's a bit loud. So what happened? So the the origin of the story is this: um, until I met my wife, I I, I wore very geeky glasses, um, um, and then uh, she's an eye doctor and she has more style than I have. I said, look, this can't stay like that, and then. As it happened, I got this job interview in in uh, in Belgium in Ghent, and now we're talking uh, uh, April first, two thousand nine, and um, um, and I was so nervous for the job interview that I forgot to take off my sunglasses, and then when I realized it happened, I decided, you know, I'm going to keep them on. Because uh, I knew that uh, my audience had to be sold on the fact that they were going to hire this Dutch guy. Uh, because in Belgium, in Flanders, hiring a Dutch guy is not entirely uh, straightforward. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to play up the cosmopolitan and the kind of American brouhaha, which, you know, coming from Amsterdam is fairly easy. And so in my nerves, and as I made that decision, I just kept them on. And, and, and it was really strange because my interview committee was the rector of the university and people that at the time were really, to me, you know, potentially impressive and, and important. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Now it would be more satirical, but at the time I was very impressed by that kind of type. And then later that day, I got the job. Okay. And since then, the sunglasses are my, my good luck, uh, my good luck uh -huh. thing. I like the fact that a geek, a nerd like me can actually have, you know, one part of my persona be, um, you know, sharp. So that's that part of vanity too. But it's really this kind of strange superstition that um, um, I got this big job. And, uh, and I should say my, my wife and I decided, you know, maybe it's a good time to, to, to make babies and and I still was wearing the same glasses when we made that decision. So a lot of great um, a, a, a lot of great things happened that day that uh, I'm super excited about. And so the glasses always remind me that as bad as things can get, uh, you can also get lucky and overachieve and have good things happen to you. Okay, yeah, that's a way better story than I expected uh, to be. Um, I expected either it was something uh, to block out all the haters, or uh, that it was uh, maybe because of an eye condition like Edgar Davids. Um, but this is a better story than that. No, I'm, no, I have to say, being like Edgar Davids would be, you know, I think would also be very good. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm the haters. I, you know, we all, we all, uh, we all like being liked and loved. But I've, uh, this is going back now, 20 years. I've never felt 
uh, that I'm somebody that's naturally likable in the classroom. And I've never expected that my students like me. What I really, what I really like happening is if we can get in a groove where we just have great fun with the material and then, you know, things take care of themselves. And, and that's, um, um, you know, and I've been, there have been years at the UVA where students, as your meme show, you know, where students just find me utterly annoying or, 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 or a pest. So, you know, it's, that's, that's going to happen. And uh, uh, the best I can do is that I hope that when I'm a pest, that I don't turn them away from stuff that's important because that's a shame. Mm. But I, I had to change some eye medication. And so it's much harder for me to wear sunglasses on a regular basis. So um, I, it's possible the myth will die. We'll have to see when, <laughs> when, uh, when the course starts again. Okay, I'll, I'll check in with the first year students uh, what will happen in the future. What will happen? Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for the for the answer um i would say considering time i think i have two questions left okay let's see if we let's can see. get through those yeah so i think i already got just of what you were going to answer but what is your favorite type of student you know, this is difficult they're 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 i actually i think there are two guys so um i don't know if you know but i teach this course uh, islamic political theory and, uh, and that course is just ridiculously difficult because, right? And so I always have a student who, for some reason, comes into this class. Um, actually, I always have like about six of them who come into this class. They've heard good things about me or they like my jokes in my first year. And they think, okay, we'll do it. And then they completely and utterly freak out, right? And you can tell this is a kid who's not a nerd, doesn't think of themselves as a nerd and, and is really in this complete thorn between, okay, do I really want to do this in my final year or am I going to throw myself into it? And, the, and, and, and about half of those kids leave, you know, they're, they're Machiavelli, they're busy, they have other stuff to do, you know, good for them, no problem at all. But a subset of them decide to stay and then they end up working harder than they've ever have in their lives. And to the bitter end, you see that they're like, why did I do this? Right? So that's, that's kit I, I always have enormous admiration for. But mm -hmm. I also have to, uh, and, and I, I really, um, um, I try to make that class as, as possible for them as it can be. But then, of course, like all, all uh, teachers, the students that end up teaching you stuff about the material because they ask really sharp questions or they find discrepancies or they make connections. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's why you do it. One last question. Uh, that is, do you have any last words for the students listening? Maybe words of encouragement, maybe a, a special Schleser life lesson. Well, I don't know if I have a Schlusser life lesson. Put on your sunglasses during job interviews. Yeah, well, don't do don't, don't do that. Look, <laughs> I think I think at the moment uh, it's uh, all the teachers I'm uh, are in awe that you guys are keeping up spirit and uh, and and in what really are very challenging times. Uh, and you know, don't be too don't be too hard on yourself, right? I mean. Um, um, 
um, you're you're studying under circumstances where really valuable things have been taken away from you. You know, your mm -hmm. friendships, your independence, your freedom. Um, um, you know, showing up and doing the work is really good enough. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I totally agree. Um, me as education coordinator, I, I have to listen to the students constantly, but also listen to the teachers uh, on how they how they perceive each other. Uh, and it's also nice to hear for the students that, that the teachers also have, have gratitude for it. Um, but it's also good to know for you that most students also really uh, appreciate it. And about the, the missing of, of the connection uh, between students and t teachers, um, I think hopefully that this will has also been a a step in the right direction to to bringing back the students and teachers together um yeah can i just say something strange you know when yeah, I please. when i teach my normal lecture course which you know this year next year will be like 500 students but normally around uh, averages about 400 students um um i have in in the years i've done it i've had lots of great talks in intermission Lots of great talks after class, but I've had, I think, two students in four years come to my office hours. So, so it's really strange that there's this, this strange, um, uh, and, you know, and, and there have been students that I really would have thought of, like, or least or groupies in that course, you know, the, the haters, but even they, I would never see. So there is a, there is something odd about that lecture course where there's also a sense which there's almost no connection. And the reason I mention it, when the when the when the lockdown happened, I I had more interaction with the students in a few weeks this spring than I probably had, had in the whole four years before. And that's why I'm saying that there is a sense in which we're really in it together. Yeah. And it creates also a form of camaraderie that um you know um is also special. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, uh, let's hope the glass is half full, not half empty. Let's hope so, yeah. Okay, then uh, that's a great way to end on a positive note. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Eric Schlieser, uh, the man, the myth, the Schlieser, for, uh, for coming to the teacher talk. Um, I hope everybody uh, learned something about Schlieser. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, if you have any more comments about this this uh, pilot episode of the teacher talk, if you have some feedback, if you want some suggestions for next time, please uh, drop them by our Instagram account. Uh, and I will put the link for Eric's blog in the description, even though it's not meant for you. Um, maybe you can crank up those numbers of page views a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> There's no advertising on the blog. <laughs> No, I didn't get paid by him. This is on my own volition, just to be clear. Thank you, Eric Schlieser. And uh, this well, thank was the you, first teacher talk. <laughs>